So, uh, next weekend, Labor Day weekend, uh, it's kind of signifying, now, now don't get too upset, okay, don't get too upset. I know that that kind of signifies the end of, of something that we all know and love, which is summer, right? And we, we love summer, and uh, talking to some of you this morning, I've already heard, you know, it's been too short, um, we wish... We wish it would stay longer, but what Labor Day has become is, you know, children start school and, and students start school, college is back around, <laughs> college is back around uh, and all of those things. It's really a, new, uh, a second new year. You know, it's really, it's really a second new year, and a lot of people um, uh, get excited because they make commitments, they get into new routines, they, they do different things that, um, that, that really uh, kind of launch them, you know, into what we kind of consider a second new year because we do the same thing on January 1. You know, gyms fill back up, on, you know, right after Labor Day, all those different things. And so uh, to kind of launch us into the fall and launch us into that, I wanted to start a series called The Small Things. I wanted to start a series called The Small Things because it's often the small things that make the biggest impact. I will never forget in, in high school playing basketball, um, I, I, was, I was pretty tall and, and, and therefore I was decent at basketball. But I will never forget the, the hardest game that I had in my high school career. The guy that guarded me was only five foot five. But he was like an ant. And he drove, he was a soccer player. Okay, he was a soccer player. And so soccer players, this is my issue with soccer players, they never stop running right? You just run, and you run, and you run. And so he ran circles around me all night long, and he had a really bony backside that he liked to put right into my thigh all night long. And, and it drove me crazy. And it was my worst game, hands down, of my high school career, because this small guy pestered me the entire night. I, in fact, one, one time my coach took me out of the game. He said, what's going on? That guy's like a foot shorter than you. I said, yeah, coach, but he's annoying, you know. And it's those small things that often make the biggest difference, often make the biggest impact. And so, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're thinking about, you know, eating better. We're thinking about exercising. We're thinking about being better with our money and our, or maybe even making some bigger commitments. We're going to quit smoking. We're going to spend more time with kids. We're going to exercise. We're going to read our Bible. We're going to do all these things. But let's wait till after Labor Day. You know, let's, let's enjoy one more week of going to Papa's ice cream or Beals every night and, uh, and doing those things. Um, and so it's often the small things, if you're looking for um, kind of a, a, a statement or, or um, a thesis for the next three weeks, it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. And, and the thing with us today, and, and kind of the thing I wanted to, to address over the next three weeks, is we all, we're all looking for shortcuts. We all, we all want shortcuts. We all want, you know, um, uh, we, we all want the benefit without the work. We all want the benefit without the work. And so you see all these, 
You, saw, you see all these exercise things or these vitamins, right, that'll give you six-pack abs in 30 days and, and all of those things, right? And, and, so it's, and so we often look for shortcuts, and I think we do that in the church as well. I think we do that with God as well. So often, is, is, and, and just in life in general, we look for shortcuts, but it's often the small things that take time. It's the small things over time that make the biggest impact. I was talking to a real good friend of mine last night um, who's from North Carolina, and, and yesterday we had a conversation just about discipleship. And, and I think, it, I think in, in all, so often in our churches, one of the most common things I hear is that we're so bad at discipleship. We're so, you know, we, do, we don't do discipleship really well. And one of the statements that, that we talked about yesterday that he, he hears quite often is that he's not sure we really understand what discipleship is. We really don't understand what discipleship is. And, I, and as we were talking last night, one of the things that we came to agreement on is that the thing about discipleship is it takes such a long time. We want to look for shortcuts in discipleship. We want to do a six-eight training session, an eight-week program, a 12-week thing. You know, but, but, but when you start talking about discipleship, a friend of mine did his doctorate on discipleship in New Hampshire, and he said from start to finish, if you're going to start a discipleship relationship, it takes seven years for them to start reflecting you as a spiritual child and spiritual parent. Seven years. And so if we're going to start a discipleship relationship, then what we're saying is I've got to be ready to commit to you, and, and, and there's exceptions, right, for the long haul. Let's just say in the long haul, five years, six years, where we're going to meet together on a regular basis, and we're going to pour our lives into each other, and we're going to put things into each other's life, and we're going to do all those different things, and we've got to commit to each other for the long haul, when most of us, some of us, I won't say most of us, but some of us have a hard time having a relationship for seven weeks, maintaining it, finding time to invest into it, and, and so on and so forth. And so the reality is it just takes time, and it takes effort, and it takes commitment. To the small things. In Zechariah chapter 4, um, verses 6 through 10, we see that there was a temple who was de- that was destroyed and God's people were led into captivity. And this guy, Zerubbabel, everybody say that three times fast, Zerubbabel, don't, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, he, some, of you are, some of you are good listeners. Um, he led the remnant back from captivity to the land of Israel. Eighteen years later, God spoke to this king Zerubbabel and gave him the power to rebuild the temple. To rebuild the temple. See, and here's the thing. If we want to see things rebuilt, if we want to see things restored in our lives, God will give us the power to rebuild. So Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6-10, through it'll show up on your screens if you want to follow along. If you have your Bible, you can open there. It says, Then he said to me, Zerubbabel is getting a vision from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but, my, but by my... What does that say there? Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward to the, uh, the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. And then the word of the Lord came to me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts 
has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of the small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range through the whole earth. I love there um, in verse 10, for whoever has despised the day of these small things shall rejoice. The New Living Translation of the Bible says this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Uh, John Wooden, some of you may know the name John Wooden, he was an incredible basketball coach. Uh, He coached at UCLA. He won 10 uh, NCAA championships. Um, He coached to 10 NCAA championships. Seven consecutive NCAA championships, which is unheard of. You can't even get two consecutive these days. Um, uh, No matter how much money you're spending to recruit players. I'm sorry, that was mean. Um, But seven consecutive from the years 1967 to 1973. And he says this to every team at their first practice. It's the little things that are vital. It's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. It's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. And so today and for the next three weeks, we want to talk about little things. And today, today, I want to start this series off, The Small Things, by talking about not despising small beginnings, but talking about our thought life. Our thought life. How's our thought life? Studies have shown that we have, we're hit um, with, with somewhere around 40,000 messages a day that we've got to process, that we have to process. We, you know, whether or not it's that we need a bigger truck, uh, we need a better plow, we need a, we need a boat in general. I'm just going to speak that and claim that into being. No, just... Um, wouldn't that be awesome, a summit pontoon boat that we could just go out and just... Okay, anyway. Um, <clears throat> summer services, just on the lake. Um, what was that? And barbecues on the... See? See, I think, I think we need to go from the boat to the yacht. Right? No, okay, just kidding, just kidding. Where was I? But, the, but you know, these, these, these messages come in that we have to process, that we have to, that we have to figure out what we're going to do with. And we get thousands of them every day that we have to come. And, and, and when it comes to our thought life, the reality is this. Life will always move. If you're taking notes, write this down. Life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you think you can't, you probably won't. But if you think you can, you probably will. If you dwell on problems, guess what? They're going to overwhelm you. But if you look for opportunities, you'll likely see some opportunities. If you feel like the victim, guess what? You'll become one. But if you believe you can overcome, you can overcome. So as we're getting started this morning, as we're getting started, and I have two things about our thought life that I want to get to, but I just, I, just want to, I just want to do a little bit of an assessment, a little bit of a thought audit here. And so the, the, the thought audit is going to come up on the screen. And so I want to deal with the, 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 um, the first one is going to be this. 
worried, worried versus peaceful. And so on a scale of 1 to 10, and, and, you, and you don't necessarily put the whole, have to put the whole thought audit down there, but if, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, um, I have no idea what I'm going to eat for lunch, and it's stressing me out so much I can't even listen to Pastor Travis. Okay, I have no, let, me, let me put you at peace there if that's you this morning. You're going to eat something. There you go. Bless you. All right. Thought audit, right? Worried being, being stressed out, overwhelmed, and peaceful being, man, I, I have no worry in the world. In fact, I'll buy everybody's lunch. Great. Just tell me where we're going. Um, but thought audit, where would you, where would you land? If you, were, if you were to say, ah, man, I'm really worried, um, maybe two or three, uh, but where would you land? The second one that I want you to think about, negative versus positive. Are you more of a negative person in your thoughts? Or are you more of a positive person in your thoughts? Can you see um, the bright side in everything? Um, wh- where, would you, where would you land? We, uh, I was so proud of our ladies on Friday night. We had some ladies who did a summer small group, a running uh, small group. I was so proud of them. And uh, and and as they they crossed the they they did a 5K together. They, there was a running small group, and Friday night they did a 5K. It was glow in the dark, and hearing some of them at the end was very interesting. Everything from "I'm gonna die" to "I finished. I crossed." The finish line, right? And so, and so thought audit, negative to positive. If you were to put down on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being most negative, 10 being, oh man, you know, I can see the bright side in everything. What would you, where would you land? And number three, worldly versus eternal. Worldly versus eternal. So let's go back. Let's go back. Worried versus peaceful. Let's leave that up there and just, just keep thinking about it. Just keep thinking about it. Maybe put a number down for each one of those for, for you. Um, but, but worried versus peaceful. Worried about our children. Worried about money. Worried about health, job, future. Maybe your cat left home. You know, what, whatever um, you, you're, you're stressed out, you're worried about. Um, peaceful, you're secure in God's promises. You do what you can. You trust God. You're full of peace. And then let's look at the negative one. Negative, critical of people. You find fault in everything, discontented. Um, but then the positive side of things, you see the best of people. You believe the best of people. Life is good. Optimistic future. And then you look at worldly. Mind is consumed with this life. We've been talking about it for quite a bit for the last few weeks. The only two things that last forever, your soul and the Word of God. Right? And so, so many times if we have worldly thoughts, right? Our minds are consumed with what's right here, what's right now, material possessions, being liked by people. If we have eternal perspective, we're looking at making eternal difference, giving, reaching people. You know, I, I was listening to, to, to K-Love, I think it was really early um, this past week one morning, and, and I was driving, and, and uh, I, I heard this, that, that 20% of people in churches today see giving and tithing as monetary. Which means 80% of people are trying to tithe in a way that's not money. And they were talking about, they were trying to, they were having a little bit of, not a debate, but just a discussion over whether that's right or wrong because so many people today say, well, I'm tithing my time. 
I'm tithing my time. You know, I'm serving and I'm, I'm cleaning the church or I'm mowing the grass or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. It took me four hours. Man, that's awesome. That's my tithe for the week. That's, there's a problem with that. That's not a biblical tithe. It's not a biblical tithe. Um, sorry, that, this is not a tithing message. This is a thought message. Um, but, but that just hurt me. And I'm like, man, it broke me because I've, you know, I've heard people say that before. Oh, I tithe my time this week. I tithe my time this week, and that's that's it's not a tithe. But yet, eighty percent in our church, eighty percent of people in our churches believe that that's a sufficient enough tithe. Maybe that's why some of our churches are so unhealthy. Hmm. That was free. Okay. Um. And so, and so, worldly versus eternal perspective. The Bible has a lot to say about our thought life. Let's start in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul tells the church at Rome, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing, you may, you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, the New Living Translation says this, changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Changing your thought life. And for some of you this morning, the small thing that can make a big difference is changing your thought life. Changing your thought life. So let's go back to the the thought audit. And for you this morning, for the rest of this message, I want you to think, okay, which one of these do you need the most work in? Which one of these do you need the most work in? You may have scored a four on all of them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, um, but, But which one of these would you say, man, I just want more peace. Maybe I need to think more positively. Maybe I need to think more eternally. For you, the small thing that could make the biggest difference would be to have an eternal perspective in your thought life. To have a peaceful thought life. To have a positive thought life. And so for you, I want you to concentrate on one of those for the rest of our time together and and thinking about changing the way we think because the smallest things that no one sees result in the big things that everyone wants. So how do you change the way you think? I'm glad you asked. Number one, capture, everybody say capture, capture destructive thoughts. Capture destructive thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through five, says this. It says this, for, wa- for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every obedience when your every disobedience when your obedience is complete. When your obedience is complete. So there's there's some thoughts that we need to take captive. And Paul uses some pretty strong language here when it comes to our thoughts, taking thoughts captive, destroying strongholds, destroying arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. There are some strong words here. So there's some thoughts that we need to take captive. And for you sitting here this morning, some thoughts that you need to take captive may be, I can't. I can't. 
or, um, or maybe a thought that you need to take captive. I won't. I'm not good enough. I can't change. I'll never be happy. What about this one? What about this one? Some of you need to take this thought captive. God could never love me. God could never forgive me. I'm unlovable. I'm unforgivable. I'm unusable in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. If you're breathing in this room this morning, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God's got a plan for you. So, so taking thoughts captive, these destructive captives. So when a truth comes into our mind, capturing destructive thoughts, when a thought comes into our minds, here's what we ask. Truth or trash? Truth or trash? Thought comes into our mind, truth or trash? Because let me tell you something. I believe this is the reason I wanted to start today with our thought life. This is why I wanted to start today with our thought life. Because I believe that, the, that if the enemy, which, let's, let's, let's back up for a second. We know we, we battle an enemy, right? We know we battle an enemy. Peter, 1 Corinthians chapter, I mean, 1 Peter chapter 4 and 5, he talks about how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sounds nice, right? Sounds nice, easy. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy you, right? He wants to destroy us. And so we sit here, right? We hear a thought, right? We hear a thought. Truth or trash? Well, maybe God wants me to take that, co- that thought captive, right? And then, and then we start to just reason, well, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Because you know what? Even though, even though I'm stressed out about that, even though I'm overwhelmed by that, I don't have near the overwhelming thoughts that he's got over there. And so I'm okay. I'm probably, I'm probably okay there. I'm probably okay there. And the enemy just, just comes and completely deceives that thought. And so we've got to be ready. We've got to be on guard. Every thought that comes into our mind. Truth, trash. Truth, trash. Because of the, I believe the enemy wants to get us right in our thought life. Because he can just send us down. A never-ending path of destruction. Battles in the spiritual are won or lost in the mind. That's why it is so important to capture those destructive thoughts. Spiritual battles are won or lost in the mind. So, when you get up to go to work tomorrow, man, I get to go to work tomorrow. I get to go to work tomorrow because I get to be around so many people that need to be a witness for Je- uh, that, that that need to know my Jesus, that need to know my hope, that need to know the love of Christ in their life. And so I get to go and be a light in a dark world. I get to go and shine the light of God and talk about my crazy pastor and his message yesterday. I get to go. I get to go and be around people that need Jesus. God, let me be a light for you and let me not dread my work tomorrow let me not dread my work tomorrow let me wake up with a brand new energy tomorrow because I get to go and be around people that need Jesus God I get to go to that family lunch today because God I know that my entire family needs Jesus have you met them lately my family will be here in the second service so I can't use that one 
second service, so I had to go with that first. Because that might, app, that might apply to, I don't, you know. Just kidding. Just kidding. Truth or trash? The battle for your heart, the battle for your mind. The spiritual battles that we face are won or, won or lost in the mind. Romans 8, Paul tells the church at Rome in Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, for those, get this, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I feel like this summer has been the summer of uh, learning and, 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 and developing the Holy Spirit in, in my life. And just kind of learning, we preached on it back in June, we preached on the Holy Spirit. And, and, and just everything that I've heard, it feels like every message that I've listened to, it feels like every talk that I've given has come, in, has come back to the Holy Spirit. And as I was speaking at one of these camps recently and doing a little bit of deeper research around the Holy Spirit, I, I, I came across this quote that says this, there's a difference, everybody say difference. There's a difference between being indwelled by the Holy Spirit and living according to the power of the Holy Spirit. See, if, see, and follow me here. Follow me here, okay? Follow me here. Put your thinking caps on this morning, right? At salvation, when we say yes to Jesus, when we, when we claim Jesus is Lord over our life, we get the power of the Holy Spirit. We have access, right? We have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like when you go and sign up at Planet Fitness, right, and you pay your $10 or whatever, you get access to the gym. Now guess what? You got to go. There's a difference between having the key tag and going to the gym. So many people <laughs> will pray for you. Okay, so, so, so many people, so many people have access to the gym and don't ever use it. If you study Planet Fitness and you look at their research, less than 10% of their members actually use their gym. Just saying. It's cheap. You can go. You can have a membership. You can get a key tag so you look cool to everybody in your circles and all that. I work out, you know? But never actually use it. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit at salvation. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens. But how many of us do not access the Holy Spirit in our lives? There's a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and living according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says to the church at Rome, he says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live, who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So, maybe you sit here and your thought this morning is that I can't make a difference after what I did. God can't use me after my past. God can't use me with the condition that I'm facing. Listen to me, that's trash. That is nothing more than the enemy whispering lies into your ear, into your heart, into your mind today. Because the truth is that you're not what you did. The truth is that you are a beloved son or daughter of God. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, I'm stuck in life. 
I'm stuck. I've, gone, I've, I've done everything I can do. I've said everything I can say. I'm stuck. That's a lie. That's trash. The truth is that you're an overcomer. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you're an overcomer. In fact, in fact, Scripture says we are more than conquerors as children of God. You're a conqueror. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, I've blown it. I've blown it. I've blown it. I got a text message this past week from a dear friend who said, I've blown it. I've blown it in my marriage. I've blown it in my family. I've blown it. Blown it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Scripture says, that's, that's trash, by the way. That's a lie. Scripture says that God works all things. Say all things. All things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. God can use anything. God can use anything for His glory. There's restoration. There's freedom. There's healing and forgiveness. God can use anything. So we've got to capture those destructive thoughts, truth, or trash. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? I need to claim truth over that trash. I need to claim truth over that trash. I need to capture that destructive thought. That destructive thought just sends me down a whirlwind of pain and, 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 and I just need to capture it. Truth or trash. And, 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 and what you do there, what you do there is you transform it to a truth from a trash. So that's number one, capture destructive thoughts. Number two, fix your thoughts on spiritual things. How do we change our thoughts? How do we change the way we think? We capture destructive thoughts. And number two, fix our thoughts on spiritual things. Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells the church at Philippi, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. If the God of peace will be with you. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We can see God everywhere. We can see God everywhere. And the God moments that happen in our lives. See, that's one of the, one of the things <clears throat> when uh, some of you know, some of you don't know. We've, we've been a little s- scarce around here. And one of the things that, that, that I love about camp life, other than the food, um, one, one of the things I love about camp life is uh, at the end of every day, almost, almost at every camp, either at the end of every day or the beginning of the next day, there's an opportunity where you get together with the other counselors and you get together with the other staff and you talk about God moments. Where'd you see God yesterday? Or where'd you see God today? What'd you do? At Johnny and Friends down in North Carolina, we'd get together at 9.15 every night, which is a little bit of a struggle because bedtime. Um, but... Uh, but we'd get together at 9.15 or so every night and we would just talk about God moments and we'd pray together. 
when we pray together. And I thought, man, just, just, just the thought hit me this past week. I, I kind of miss talking about the God moments. kind of miss, you know, ending my day talking about how we saw God in that day. You know, and, and for some people, they'd walk into that room, they were exhausted, they were frustrated, the day didn't go really well, um, and, 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 and all of that. But yet, you couldn't walk out of there with a frown on your face. You couldn't walk out of there struggling. You couldn't walk out of there. Why? Because you heard, you heard other people talking about God moments. So it took, it took what the enemy was trying to use for trash from your day and talk about you know, all the negativity and the, and the issues that you were facing and how you were overwhelmed, and it transformed it to, see, to seeing God and how He was moving all throughout the camp. And I thought to myself, well, I could do God moments. You know, how, do, how do I end my day every day fixing my thought on spiritual things? Fixing my thoughts on where I saw, saw God in that day. On how I saw God move in that day. And so here's what I want. Here's, here's kind of your homework. Here's kind of your homework. And I would encourage you. I mean, I, I would encourage you to do it while they're doing this last song. Because I don't want you to reason yourself out of it. But, but if you were to say, you know what? I want to fix my thought on one thing this week. One thing. One thing. I want to have one thought that I just want to meditate on, I want to dwell on, I want to think on this week. What would be your one thought? And if you go back to, if you go back to your thought audit, you know, do you need to think more positively? Do you, think, do you need to think more um, uh, spiritually, more spiritually, eternally? Do you, do you need to think more peacefully? And what, what would be your one thought? What would be your one thought? Like if you need to think more peacefully, if you're sitting here this morning you're, and that was your thing, right? Peace isn't the absence of trouble, but the presence of Jesus Christ. So my one, one thought might be that the presence of Jesus is with me. No matter what I face this week, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm walking through, I can claim the presence of Jesus is with me all the time. All the time. And so you're kind of homework, you're kind of, as you're leaving this morning, the application, what's your one thought? What would be your one thought? Write it down. Write it somewhere where you're going to remember. Write it somewhere where you'll, you'll think on it all week long. Go out before you go home this afternoon. Get it tattooed on your arm so you can't forget it. What's your one thought? I can do all things through Christ. I can trust God with everything that I can't control. With God's help, I can change my thoughts. It's the small things that make a big difference. The worship team is going to come. I want to close with a story, testimony, God moment that I had this past week. On Tuesday, uh, I, went to, uh, I went to my last kind of camp day, uh, the Johnny and Friends Family Retreat in New Hampshire. And Summit Church uh, at the retreat in June and uh, this past week, we sponsored uh, a giant inflatable slide. Right, just one of those, one of those fifteen feet high inflatable slides. And so, for many of us, we think, "Oh man, that's just not really a big deal, right? This is not really a big deal. It's an inflatable slide. You go up it, you come down it. Costs this much money. Boom! Let's just let's do that for our kid's birthday, right? And 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 um, and so, Ian, Pastor Ian and I and uh, my oldest daughter Bria, we left Tuesday morning to go out and work the slide for the afternoon. We we ran the slide, and we watched the kids go up and come down and go around. Some of them didn't even go around. They just hopped the barricade and went back, right back up and went down. And in the middle of the afternoon, I was, I was wiped and, and knew we had to, 
had to head home soon. I'm just kind of wondering, you know, was this effective? Was this worth it? Was this, you know, did this, did this matter? Did this mean anything? And right as I was starting to, to think my way into this was just a bad idea, this was a waste of a day, this little six, seven-year-old kid came running up to the slide. He'd probably been down about a hundred times, but he just happened to stand like three feet away from me. It's almost like God placed him right there in that moment as I was sending my thoughts down this you know, wasteful path, this destructive path, and this kid shouts at the top of his lungs, which I won't shout for your benefit, but he says at the top of his lungs, he screams, this is the best day ever! Jesus? Like, I mean, I mean, like, and immediately I thought, wow, for this kid, he doesn't get to go down a slide every day. He doesn't get to do things every day. This is outside of his normal life, being a, in a family affected by disability. And this slide, this slide gave him the best day ever. All right, God, thank you. I can go home now. Day made. It's the smallest things that make the biggest difference. And your thought life can send you down a road of destruction or it can send you down a road of blessing. Take captive those destructive thoughts and fix your thoughts on eternal things. And God can change the way we think if we'll do that. If we'll put our thoughts in His hands and focus on what He has for us and what He wants to do in our everyday life.